Well, hello again, and welcome to the show. I am so excited about today's show because my guest is an expert of an expert of an expert of what my passion is. And I'm not even going to tell you, so stay tuned. Listen, let me just remind you of something. People still question, well, Valerie, what all do you do? Because my title is, people say principals, people say CEO. I just own a leadership development firm, right? But what I'm doing right now and have for many years is keynote speaking, which is awesome to be able to get in front of an audience, captured audience, and make, make them giggle and laugh and learn all at the same time. And what do I talk about? This is my tagline, make your mark and make it count. Leadership lessons from those you'd want to follow. So if you're looking for, in 2024, someone to inspire your audience with other stories about people who inspired me, let's talk. Before I go any further, I would like to thank my sponsor today, which is Taylor Bags. This is just a Taylor Bag awesome line of handbags that go everywhere. They're comfortable. You'll see the pictures right now. They are colorful. They're soft. They're made in Spain. Check it out. I want you to go to taylorbags.com and follow Stephanie Taylor at shop Stephanie Taylor. All right. So audience, what do you think it takes to not only be a great Italian chef, but also to share those talents online, teaching us step by step by step how to make fabulous Italian and other foods. And the company name is Sip and Feast. Isn't that a great name? Stay tuned. I'm going to welcome my guest, who is the CEO of Sip and Feast, Jim Dimage. Stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Jim, I want to welcome you to the show, and I've already told you this, but I want to tell the audience, you are, because my passion is cooking, my go-to YouTube channel, Sip and Feast. You have one of the easiest to follow, most incredible Italian recipes, and I'm Italian and I've cooked for years. But man, have I learned a lot. So I just want to welcome you to the show. I'm so glad you're taking time today. Well, thank you, Valerie. Uh, it's really nice to be here. Good to have you. And you're living now. Where are you from? I'm from Long Island, New York. That's where I currently live. Okay. Can't tell by the Texas accent you've got. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew I wanted to have you on the show when I began following you, Jim. And um, one of the things that I loved when we first talked was the fact that you shared that you learned your wonderful gifts and talents, Italian cooking, from cooking with your grandmother. And that just really hit me also, because I, from the time my two little grandchildren here were mm, four, before that, they were sitting on 
the cabinet and they were doing anything I could get them to do. I bought all the little small baby utensils and they learned to cook. Jim, I want to tell you, Cameron and Dylan now outdo me in cooking. So tell us about just, you know, what was it like, all your stories, your memories with your grandmother, what'd you call her? Um, so I called her grandma, uh, not Nona, um, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. uh, she lived with us my whole life. So her, uh, and I'm half Italian, so it's from my mother's side. My, so that's my grandmother. And she, uh, you know, her, her husband, my grandfather, who I never met, uh, was supposedly the better cook. He, he was Sicilian, you know, and uh, he died when my mother was young. So she, you know, typical Catholic, not, didn't remarry, so moved in. My mother had to find a house that would have two kitchens to accommodate you know, the mother-daughter situation, which is very common in New York, these type of setups, especially in the five boroughs uh, to this day. A lot of people that don't have their grandmother living there will use that other kitchen to make sauce, sausage, whatever. But my grandmother lived with us and she did a ton of the cooking. Not all of it, my mother did some, uh, but my grandmother would always do like the weekend stuff and she would often do other things during the week and she would always be cooking something downstairs. So I would always be there, kind of just, learning from when I was young. What do you remember that you first cooked? First thing, I honestly, I don't know. I really just jumped in and always wanted to be helping or doing something. And uh, I, I started cooking a lot of dishes at a very young age, uh, probably too young. Uh, I <laughs> definitely try to get my kids involved now. And my daughter is definitely more involved in the cooking process. But she's 15. I probably was making like chicken marsala and stuff when I was 10 or 11. You know, screwing it up, obviously, but <laughs> but making it nonetheless. Well, I've seen your little boy on the show, and he's the taster, isn't he? He's the taster. He is not. He has not cooked. He. We're trying to get him to want to learn to cook, but he just loves to taste. Test. That's that's his thing. <laughs> you know, tell us a little bit about uh, as a chef tasting, because. When you go to a restaurant, as an example, if you're sitting anywhere by an open kitchen, often you can see the person that's just cooked the meal. Yep. Uh, if it's a sauce or something, you'll see him tasting. Oh, yeah. So do you, what's that about? What are they, is it too late once you've cooked the sauce? What, what, what's no, that about? Definitely not too late. I mean, that's the most important thing of cooking. I always say in my videos, to not trust recipes because spices that you have could be a little different than the uh, the recipe maker. Mm -hmm. Things can be fresher, things could be off, maybe you need more salt. You really wanna be tasting uh, in the beginning, but definitely at the end. So that's what that chef is doing. He's making sure it's perfect before he puts it out uh, and gives it to uh, the waiter to bring it out to you. And yeah, those open kitchens now, that's, uh, I think that's more pressure on the chef because everybody can see what they're doing. <laughs> well, what about pressure on you when you're standing there in front of us? I'm watching your channel. Uh, do you ever have do-overs? Um, so I try to leave some mistakes in. I think that makes it authentic. Good. Um, I don't watch a lot of other cooking channels, competitors, because they tend to... Um, maybe make me feel like, oh, I'm not doing it as good as them or something. So I really just try to, to do it myself. But yeah, the mistakes are there. I leave some in 
And, you know, we, we film, so we're not live. If you do live v cooking videos, which we've debated, mm -hmm. we definitely have thought about doing them, it would, uh, it, it, would, it, it would be a little bit more risky because, um, and not even if you screw it up, but just your language can't be taken out either. So maybe you, <laughs> maybe you mess, mess up when you're cooking and you, and you do something. Editing makes things a lot easier, and we try not to edit them as highly as some of the other channels. But you know, we do we do edit. <laughs> About sixty minutes of footage turns into a fourteen minute video at the end. How many do you have, Jim? Now, for how many years have you been doing it, and how many videos? So we have, I I think, two hundred and sixty videos mm. on YouTube, uh, which is our main platform. Uh, we we do put all those videos on Facebook as well, and. We'll cut them up into shorter clips for Instagram, but really it's been, it's 260 recipes that are in video form. On the website, we have 400, going near 450 recipes. Some things are kind of simple. They don't, they're never gonna get a video done. Uh, there are some videos that we don't have the recipe on the website too. So we really try to be in short continuity though. So we're, we're in the process of fixing uh, we, we don't want somebody to look at a video and go, where's the print recipe, and it not be there for them. Well, that's good. You know, Jim, the thing that I love so much about your show, and it's really why I follow you, and that's it, is because, <clears throat> for the audience's sake, and they'll see this when they visit, you not only are teaching it as you're going and you're cooking it, literally, but also you have on your site pictures of actually every ingredient. It, I'm a visual person. I think most people are, Jim. So to be able to listen to you, watch you, but then be able to see the piece of meat and the how many carrots and so forth. I mean, you can't make mistakes with your cooking. Thank you for that. You're welcome. That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, it's... We try to have both, and that's where we think we kind of, it allows us to beat our competitors in a sense, because if they're just on YouTube, they can have great videos, but they don't have that. And then if they're mm -hmm. just a food blog and they don't have videos, then they're weak there. We like to take care of, because everybody learns a little bit differently. So we like to just have it completely done for, for both sets of people. Absolutely. I, I'm sensing a cookbook coming, maybe? Yeah, we actually, got have the lawyer involved now and everything because the literary agent and you know i i see you have your books so you know the mm -hmm. process they uh they structure everything to their advantage and you need a lawyer to look at that contract and mm -hmm. sort things out and then then at that point the literary agent is representing you and the one that we're that we've met with thinks that we have a good chance to get a a, a good book uh advance all that from a good publisher we, we've had about three offers before, you know, contracts from pu smaller publishers, but none of them have been worth it for us monetarily because it would take mm -hmm. so much time away from what we do. And, you know, we don't, we need to work that essentially we can't just put everything on hold for nine months when, when a book is being developed. Boy, that's so true, Jim. I remember the first book, I can't believe I've got eight now. The first book, the, uh, editor, of course, after I met and decided he was going to do the book, all the deadlines happened. Now, looking back, I'm grateful. 
But at the time, it was such pressure. Anyone out there that is uh, thinking about writing a book or has one, you know what I'm talking about, you have to meet those deadlines. And you have to have a good editor that doesn't slam you every time you've made grammar mistakes. <laughs> they encourage you. But the learning from writing a book or a recipe book is tremendous. I learned so much. What do you anticipate will be the outcome for you personally once that book is, is written? So the book, um, and this is for anybody who's, who's in this, in this uh, you know, situation, the book will further push your authority and mm -hmm. it will expose you to maybe some new avenues that you're not. It's, you know, our YouTube channel does very well, our website does very well, but there's something about being a published author on top of that that will... I don't know, maybe it gives you a little bit more table stakes, I would say. And it is a, it is a time sink. It will, mm -hmm. it will hurt anybody who's producing, who, anybody who has a good income with their social media presence, their website, the book will never be a monetary gain in the beginning. It will be, right. it will be a big time sink and, and, a sunk, and a big cost. And eventually you're hoping that it will pay off. It's, it, there's no guarantee there though. No, you're absolutely right. Many people probably have the insight that the book itself will make money. That's not the point. If you don't have the passion to write the book, don't. <laughs> and don't have false yeah. expectation right. Well, I can't wait to get that. I want one signed as soon as you get it. Will you send me one, Jim? I definitely will. Uh, I, God, I mean, I don't know how long the timetable will be. I'm hoping, ho you know, hoping it would be the beginning of 2025, maybe early end of 2024. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. You know. Well, guess what? Your show is evergreen, so you'll be up there forever, <laughs> and people will <laughs> keep ordering it. That's a good thing. It's a time capsule. When I'm long gone, my great-grandchildren will see the first <laughs> person who had cooking videos. <laughs> you know, I've never asked, this is interesting, I've never asked my children or my grandchildren if they've read any of my books. Hmm, maybe I don't want the answer. <laughs> yeah, your family members tend to not really care about your accomplishments. <laughs> That's my experience anyway. <laughs> well, unless they just live with you every day like my husband and knows what goes into it. And, you know, yeah. speaking what goes into it, Jim, I'd like you to share with us the backstory um, because it involves what's one of your top takeaways you said which is it's never too late yeah tell us about that well it is never too late uh obviously earlier is better than better than <laughs> later but you know i had a couple i had two other careers and out of college well out of college i was going to go to law school i had a uh, acceptance from a bunch of schools. I was, I was all set to go to Brooklyn Law, and I put that on deferment for a year because I worked for um, stock trading, uh, stocks and futures trading firm in, in Manhattan, and I was there for 15 years, so forget law school. And that worked well, I did well with it, but I kind of aged out. And then I went to another career, which completely different was carpentry, and I, I had dreams of having a bunch of trucks and crews and you know working on these nice houses and um that didn't work out and then i had an idea to look into starting a business online and then six years later 
here we are. <laughs> and uh, I guess I found my passion because this is the one that I was doing the most from when I was young, which is cooking. Mm. You mentioned something that is so relevant, Jim. So many people in the coaching that I do will ask me to help them figure out what their passion is that, here's the other caveat, that I can make money with. And so it's just interesting without going into what I say in depth, but there are so many aspects of someone's passion. So let's go to you as an example. What attributes, what strengths, what capabilities, competencies had you learned with all the other things you had done and have sort of brought them over and used them, strengths or strengths, right, into what you're currently doing? Well, I mean, the sense is I've, I've always been independent. So when I was at this, you know, when I was out of college in, in the fi finance world, I was trading for, I, I was backed by people they, with money, but in the end, I was really trading for myself. I didn't get a salary or anything. I had to make my own money. So I was always working for myself at that point. Really, the only time I really worked for someone was when I was doing the carpentry thing. And obviously I had jobs when I was younger from like 16 to 21, but those were jobs before I was finished with college. So that's what was appealing about this was the same thing. It was about being independent, not, you know, that's my strength, I guess, is that I don't like working for someone. <laughs> and I knew I needed something that would uh, give me unlimited upside and uh, test me and something that I was able to bring the cooking in there. So. That's a big advantage that I already had that skill, so I didn't have to learn that. It, that doesn't mean though to deter anybody that wants to do YouTube or anything. You can do a, like a kind of like a hero's journey essentially where you are learning as you go and people will mm -hmm. watch you and follow you as mm -hmm. you become better at whatever craft you're putting out. Well, it helps to have a brand, meaning, you know, who, Personal branding is one of the things that I work with people on and helping understand what about your many strengths currently could be workable in, as you just have said, doing something over here. The hardest thing, Jim, and talk about this for a minute, is the risk that you have to take. Were you biting your nails or what? No, the risk, I mean, I, I, I want to be honest here about this. My wife, Tara, she had a, she had a really good job. So it's, it's, it's silly for me to tell people, quit your job, especially if you're the only person working and, yeah. you know, when you have kids, it's, it's easy for me to say, quit your job and do it. Tara, with her job, gave me, it, 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 we were able to do this. We were able to swing it. And mm -hmm. so that allowed me to take took took about over two years before I started making any money with this. And that mm -hmm. will be very typical of people's experience if they start a business in the online world, but really any business. It's just, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just how it is. I was looking at franchises the other day because now, now that we're doing very well with this, I want to open up other businesses. Every one of those franchises from Five Guys to 7-Eleven, Ruth Chris, they want, they want millions of dollars in the bank. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they they want you to be able to withstand what might happen the second you start that franchise. It might be a recession or whatnot. 
So uh, I had the ability to withstand it with Tara, Tara's job. And now Tara's and I are partners and we work full time together. That was one of the best feelings when she uh, was able to quit her job. That's lovely to be able to have your family in the in the in what you're doing now. So I I want to go to um, those years that were so hard. What brought you through them? Um, I actually wanted to quit a couple times. It was uh, I it was tough because I couldn't manage both the website. Right now we publish two to three. Uh, webs, web, you know, things on the website, recipe posts per week. And we also publish one long YouTube video and we publish one podcast. So that's, that's a 45 minute to an hour long podcast. And that has video also. That's a big, it's a lot of content to put out. And that's not even counting the short videos, which honestly, the short videos, the reels, YouTube shorts, I don't really even consider that the same ball game as the long form content. But all of that takes a lot of time. So in, when in the beginning, I had to decide which one do I want to pursue. So I went with YouTube, where the blog, you know, blogger website are the same thing for for people uh, who might not be familiar with it. But I had to kind of put that aside, where I was only putting up one recipe maybe every other month. It was really lying dormant. YouTube, I took 120 videos before one video took off. So. I'm telling you, it was probably about video 115 where I was considering stopping. So uh-huh. a little luck came in. A lot of people in the coaching community and the YouTube coaches and everything, they always say luck doesn't have anything to do with it. I want to dis- I want to 100% disagree with that. Luck has a lot to do with it. it it's, it's, just, uh, it's just how it is. There's too many people putting out great videos and content these days. And it's unfortunate the people that stop three mm-hmm. videos before that video would have taken off for them. You know, that's a that's a really important lesson. So many of my listeners, Jim, are very successful leaders already in their, in their swim lane. Others are emerging leaders. Others are entrepreneurs, business owners, and so forth. So all the things we're talking about hits every single one of our pain points. I want to go, <clears throat> I want to go to one more inspiring thing about that so that my audience also, like you said, don't give up. What was it Winston Churchill said? Never, never, never. That's been my byline. Because someone came early on to me and said, Valerie, um, how long does it take to do what you do? Uh, And I looked at them and I said, can you work 10 years without any money? And I meant it. Yeah. I meant it. That's when I first started the, my leadership development firm. And unfortunately, that was disappointing to them. I think this woman just thought you, well, she did. She had a great personality. She had a great voice. She had a great story. So she just figured she could get up and be a keynote speaker and just, mm, there you go. So we all know, I think everyone listening really knows the reality is it takes hard work and it takes time. So having said that, let's go back to risk for a minute. One of the other things you said is be willing to take risks uh, and fail. Can you tell us a story about you and that? Yeah, I I mean, this isn't even really a failure, but about maybe six months ago, we decided to start doing taste test videos for 
like jarred sauce we did. Uh, so comparing the popular jarred marinara sauces. And one video took off. It got like over a million views. And a million views on YouTube long form is, is a lot of views. It's yeah. like the equivalent of getting 50 million views on a short video. It's, right. it's um, you know, what it'll do for you. So that's a, that's a big video. That's a big video for any creator, even the, even the absolute biggest creators on YouTube. And we said, oh, wow, this is great. And then we started doing more, but we were getting really bad comments there. And we were thinking we were drifting away from our brand, like our core brand, which is actual instruction. So yeah, we, we, we stopped that. And honestly, stopping that, it, it was a good decision. It, it's not always all about the views. And mm -hmm. we were just getting the wrong type of audience there. I think you just, thank you for that story. And what hit me as you were talking about it, Jim, is um, sometimes you have to pivot, right? Yeah, I mean, the pivot and, you know, another one we're doing right now is the podcast. That's a pivot for us. And mm -hmm. we're on, uh, we just released episode 21 today. So 21 weeks we've, we've been doing it. And we don't know if that's going to work. It, that's costing us a lot of time right now. That's taking time. It's not even about the money aspect, which mm -hmm. that's another thing, but it's more the time. When you when right. you devote time to anything, you have to value your time. So just take an amount of how much your hourly worth is. And if you're devoting 10 hours to something in a week, that's, you know, that's what you're spending. And that could be better. You know, we could be putting out another recipe video uh, <laughs> per week or another recipe post. And, but we, I believe that the blah, not, I believe that the podcast is going to serve us well um, for selling our book and for selling products to come and just to get more brand awareness. But it's, it is a gamble. It might not work. Right. Well, <clears throat> we're going to talk about a lot more things, uh, including some answers to people's questions that I have for you on cooking. So stay tuned. Uh, people who are listening and watching don't stop watching yet because I'll bet some of the answers are ones you want too. But before I do that, you, um, you also said something very interesting. Again, listeners, those of you who are thinking about doing a podcast or a YouTube video, um, you said, pay, don't pay attention to the naysayers. And you told me about some situations where people are sometimes just ugly and I can't believe those ugly people have the gall to post their ugliness. What do you say to that? Well, there's a lot of ugliness online and a lot of your, even some of your fans, people who think that they, you know, there are people who will read 400 comments on a, on a video post and you can tell they're reading them because they'll respond to other people's comments. Mm -hmm. And even they might not know that you are getting negative comments because YouTube specifically gives you the ability to block people in a good way. You can hide them. They don't know they've been hidden so they can keep writing their responses. And they, it's basically they're typing into the void. Nobody sees them anymore. It's a good way because a lot of times if the other platforms, if you alert the person they've been blocked, then that person might become more vindictive. But we have to do that about a decent amount of times per week. Probably 20, 30 people have to be hidden on a weekly basis, but there's just a lot of other comments where maybe you delete them, you know, maybe you give that person a second chance, but uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to stir the pot, so to say. And you know, the content we traffic in isn't bad. I can imagine how it is for some creators. 
So again, never give up and don't take things personally. Jim, I want to get to, um, well, one other thing before I get to questions from my audience, excuse me, which is perfection, you said, is your enemy. (laughs) That's pretty well said, and I don't know how much detail you have to go into it, but talk to that for a minute. Perfection. That's not my saying. It's it's called perfection is the enemy of the good. Yeah, you'll never get anything done if you're being a perfectionist. Uh, The online world, the year 2023, it does not take kindly to perfectionists. You, you, you need to get stuff out there. You, you, need, to, you need to be seen and uh, you need to be persistent. And if it's taking you six months to make one video, doing online video work is probably not for you. you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let me get to some questions that people have asked. These are fun. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So um, Cameron wants to know, and this is my granddaughter, that loves to cook. She wants to know your favorite Italian dish you like to cook. Um, so I love a lot of things. Actually, this one is a newer one to me. It was, uh, it's called Poposo. So I never knew about this recipe. Then we put out this video probably, it's probably a year now, maybe a year and a half. It's a Tuscan black pepper stew. Mm. Very simple recipe. It's, you're using a whole bottle of wine, whole bottle of Chianti black pepper, like a lot, like over a tablespoon of black pepper, uh, chuck roast cut into pieces, and you're just a gar- garlic cloves. It's like five ingredients. You let it braise, and the sauce isn't thick. It's relatively thin, and in Tuscany, it's served over polenta. So the reason I don't know this recipe is because all the stuff I cook is just Southern Italian food, which is what my grandmother cooked. So I, all these Northern Italian dishes, I'm, they're all I, I like learning about them. They're co- completely different, the types of food in the different parts of Italy. How fun is that? Well, that brings to another question, olive oil. There's so many olive oils. How do you know which one? Uh, so I'll just tell you, I, there's plenty of great olive oils. What we use is, I use the Costco, um, ex, it's not an extra virgin, it's a regular olive oil. It's a great deal. They sell two, three liters, very inexpensive hmm. uh, and good value. But then and we also use a finishing oil called Francoia Barbera. That's a Sicilian extra virgin olive oil that is pricey. And then we use another extra virgin, which is called Partana, which is an, also Sicilian. And that one is less expensive than Francoia, but way more expensive than the Costco. So I like to have those three olive oils at my uh, disposal. So I, depending on what I'm going to do, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times that, that expensive extra virgin olive oil, you shouldn't be cooking with it. <laughs> That's for salads, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I knew yeah. that. All right, here's <laughs> another question from um, Dylan, my grandson. How do you eat spaghetti? What's the right way? Uh, we say with a spoon. <laughs> no, but... It- that's that's considered lowbrow, but uh, you know a lot of people here in New York eat it that way, and uh, the, a lot of restaurants will give you the spoon. So it's not it's specifically for eating that way. Um, but yeah, I just kind of use the side of my plate, okay. like, twirl it on the side of my plate. All right, there you go. Depends who I'm eating with, I guess. Well, there you, that's true. You want to do it right. You want to do it right. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is fun. I, I personally tried a recipe that I, I love paella, and I tried to make it. Oh, it was a disaster. So what's the hardest thing you've cooked? Well, paella is hard, and I, I don't even want to do a video for that because it's so many different steps. <laughs> um, 
the hardest thing I've cooked is the hardest thing for the site to make photos of and to do was the cannoli recipe. So mm -hmm. we were doing the authentic Sicilian cannoli and there's just a lot of steps. The way a place does it, like a bakery does it, they have a huge thing of oil and this tray, these um, basically like a screen and they put all of their cannoli shells and they can lower the whole entire thing and then fry them and pull it up. And now they have a hundred shells. When you're doing it at home, you got to use forms and you, you know, maybe you could fit three or four into your oil. So it's a long process. Sometimes they'll open up too. And then, then you have cannoli chips now because you can't use that one for stuffing. There's a lot, a lot of work there. It, it really is. And it's after you do it, you're like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to the local bakery. <laughs> there are things about that. I, I totally agree. I've done. Okay. Here's one that's important, I think. What makes New York pizza so different? Well, it's not the water. It's not, I mean, there's there's a lot of good articles online dispelling that myth. Uh, you can use bottled water and you'll be fine, or any water. Um, it's, uh, I think it's just the culture, the people here, the, the history of the pizza here. So, you know, you, you can go anywhere. You could go to any place around me right here, and I'm 50 miles from the city. Mm -hmm. And you go to any place and it's all, they all have the same story. Yeah. My dad, this is my dad's pizzeria. It was my, who, who's my grandfather gave it to him and the techniques, they've all been commoditized essentially. Everybody knows it. And then, then you leave a little bit outside of New York and it just all falls down for some reason. That being said across the Long Island Sound here, Connecticut, uh, they have, they have great pizza his, uh, culture and history too. And so does New Jersey. Well, um, in Texas, mm. <laughs> all right, one more, and um, I think this will be an interesting one for you to answer. Jim, if ingredients could talk, what would they say to each other in your kitchen? Okay, that's, a, that's an odd one. Um, well, the pasta would always tell the sauce that you must not cook me until the sauce is done. Okay, you have to, you never want to have pasta waiting for sauce. Okay, you want to have the sauce waiting for the pasta. Ah. That's an important one that a lot of people don't practice. That is a good one. Yeah, because it'll right. start clumping and everything. And <laughs> That was a fun question, and you answered a funny way. That's good. I like that. Okay, um, one other thing I want to brag on you before I let you go, which is you said that a recipe you just put out for good old pot roast, you finished my sentence. What happened to it? Well, it, it did really well. It yeah. went, uh, <laughs> it went, uh, it was a number one out of 10. When you get a one out of 10 on YouTube, it's them telling you that you have a great performing video, that it's going to a wider audience, that people like you. Don't think that people hate you when you have a 10 out of 10. There you <laughs> it, go. Don't take it personal. Congratulations on good Thank old you. pot roast. And you know what, audience, for both of us, I want to emphasize the importance of hitting that red subscribe button. Because I didn't for years. I watched podcasts and I just kept watching them. I never knew the value. So please, on my show and on Jim's, Hit the red subscribe button, and thank you for doing that. Jim, it's been a pleasure having you. I will continue to watch your show every single time it comes out, and I know we'll stay in touch because I'll let you know if I ever have any flops. How's that? <laughs> uh, I, yes, definitely stay in touch, and it's great being here, Valerie. 
Thank you. Wish you all the best. And stay tuned just a minute, Jim, because I always leave with something I call Valerieism. And this is the one for today. Nothing is easy. If it were, everyone would be doing it. Well, we've talked about that today on the show. But I want to reiterate it because in this time that we're in right now, it's a difficult time. It's maybe a little bit more difficult to have the self-confidence to get up every morning and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start this, I'm going to start this, I'm going to start this. My advice to you is put those naysayer little voices in your head out. Just say no, meaning say no, and go back to your yes. Don't let anybody say, this isn't a good time, that isn't a good time, forget about it. If you've got an idea, you go for it. And that's from experience I'm talking. So until next time, I want to thank you always, always for watching and listening to this show. Hit the subscribe button and share this episode, please. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.